I, as you say, it's all been written before. Zig Ziglar told us we got to get out there and help people get what they want and what they need, what they desire, right? Yeah, I mean, let's finish the quote. Help enough people get what they want, and you'll ultimately get what you want. Exactly. Yes. Hey, welcome to the business of sales. I'm your host, Morris Sims. I have over 35 years training sales professionals who are actually business owners. And now, hey, I'm focused on helping those business owners run their businesses more effectively and efficiently in today's very fast-paced, ever-changing world. So on this show, we're going to interview some great business leaders and give you practical ideas that you can use today. So, hey, stick with us, please. We've got great things coming out, and it's going to happen right now. Ken Lundeen is our guest today on the business of sales from Ken Lundeen and Associates or Rev Heat. Wow, that's a great name, isn't it? Rev Heat. They've added $3.75 billion in additional market value for their clients by thinking about business growth in an entirely new and different way. And that's something that certainly you and I need to do is think about how we're going to grow our business. And boy, howdy, if we can think about it in a new and different way, how cool is that going to be? Ken, thanks for being on the business of sales. Oh, I'm fired up, Morris. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, this ought to be a great time. Oh, it will be. That's for sure. Tell me about $3.75 billion in additional market value. Oh, you bet. Yeah, it's something we're, something we're really excited about. We've been fortunate to work with uh, just a slate of you know, VC-backed, PE-backed companies and privately held companies, um, in addition to some of the public clients we have. And it's just been a fun ride. You know, we've been able to get in there and actually take a holistic approach to how they grow their businesses. And so, gosh, I mean, you know, we had a business sold, one of our clients sold to over 230 million this year, saw a technology company go from bankruptcy to a sale for 32 million in about three and a half years during the middle of COVID. So um, it's just been great to be able to see the clients be able to execute and live their dreams. Most of our audience, Ken, we're talking about sales professionals, uh, mainly financial services kind of sales professionals. How do you think about business growth for somebody in that sort of a situation? Because that's that's our whole objective is to help people be able to run their business more effectively and efficiently. Because chances are the folks who are listening here are great salespeople. It's not a question of how to get to be a better salesperson. It's a question of how to run your business more more effectively like a business. Yeah, and I think so. My background, I was a, a stockbroker out of college. So um, I'm very familiar with what that takes and the idea of the ownership of your own book of business. On yeah. top of that, we, we have a, a publicly traded company as a client by the name of InvestNet who sells to registered investment advisors. So, you know, from that perspective, very, very familiar with kind of the, <laughs> the space, so to speak. And I think probably the number one thing and the most difficult thing that you have to ask yourself if you're in finance, if you're a financial professional is the following. What am I saying that's different from everybody else? Because I think most of the time, you know, it's that financial and financial sales are particularly the, those pros come in and they go, Hey, how about asset allocation and how about growth? And everybody's going to do the same as an index. And I've got separately managed accounts. 
Well, that's the exact same thing as a technology provider, just selling the feature, not what the actual solution and outcome is going to be for a client. And so it's akin to saying, hey, we have great customer service, but so does everybody else. So I think you really have to start thinking about, you know, are you somebody who's serving people who are on the verge of retiring? Are you somebody who's serving people who are still saving to retire? Are you somebody who's serving the ultra wealthy? Well, they all have different goals and different impacts that they'd like to see from you. So can you speak to those in a way that differentiates you from others? So we're talking about selling the benefits, not the features, huh? Yeah, to some extent, but I think that underestimates what it is. Um, you know, people have been talking about features and benefits, I think all the way probably back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a good friend of mine says, I said, you know, everything be written about sales and written in the last 30 years. And he says, no, everything written about sales is written in the Bible. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's right. He's absolutely right. Right. So you can take it all the way back. But the idea of feature and benefits, unfortunately, for your audience, probably shortcuts the real deal because it's actually the connection to the goals. Like when we say benefits, it tends to be something that's almost like a feature plus, you know, it's, it doesn't tend to be the things that are really associated with my fears, motivations, desires, and dreams. Uh huh. And, you know, and I think if you take that, because that's more of a, we're talking about essentially in many cases, more of a, a B to C play, right? We're talking directly to individuals. You can also be B to B and talking to foundations and 401ks. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about kind of the B2C component of it, we can learn a lot from the B2B idea of, hey, well, who's your ideal client profile, right? Who's that persona? And then what are their wants, fears, dreams, aspirations? What's their before state today and their after state going to be for them, like yeah. personally and professionally? So I think, uh, think you got to put a little more into it than, hey, just tell them the benefits, Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, yep. because you know, the benefit of a separately managed account could be taxes, right? right. I get better tax allocate. I get better taxes because of X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? So does the guy over across the street who's going to have the same access to Rittenhouse or Vanguard or whoever you want to put them in for ten basis points less? Yeah, and I, we're talking about. I, as you say, it's all been written before. Zig Ziglar told us we got to get out there and help people get what they want and what they need, what they desire, right? Yeah, I mean, let's finish the quote. Help enough people get what they want, and you'll ultimately get what you want. Exactly. Yes. And it's a question then of of then how do you help people? How do you help people figure out what that is? I mean, we're back to asking questions in discovery, right? Yeah, and I think slowing down. You know, because what's what's really interesting is in the in say the age of Zoom, right? Yeah, <laughs> for lack of a better oh, yeah. world. Yeah, you know, post pandemic, and some of these things are still here to say. We do this video stuff, right? Yep. And what we found to happen, which once again is across most industries, is people are less intentional with their sales process. They're trying to do one and two call closes. You know, you've got somebody who has $5 million that they're talking to you and three other people. And you think one discovery meeting that an asset allocation proposal is going to get a deal done? <laughs> Probably not, right? 
Hey, y'all, hang on for just a second. I got, I got something I just got to tell you. I'm giving away some free stuff, all right? Free stuff. I've got a copy in there of my ebook, Practical Influence, with ideas to help you improve your influence with other people. I've got some, uh, some great marketing and prospecting ideas that are on an audio file, so you can listen to it while you work out or drive or whatever you'd like to. And we've also got some stuff in there on planning for 2022 to help you make 2022 your best year ever. Just go to morrissims.com slash free stuff. That's morrissims.com slash forward slash free stuff and get your free stuff. It's just that easy. All right. Now back to the show. Right. But, but that's what we do. And what we really do is we take our hands off the wheel. We should be looking for ways to actually drive the thing forward that are valuable for our prospects. So we use a framework called the perfect meeting that makes sure that, Hey, we're returning to value as often as possible. We're always prescribing a next step. So we have a reason to get together. And I think in those cases, particularly where, where the financial service professional can do much, much better is what's a valuable reason for you to continue to have a conversation and be okay with the idea that it's going to take 45 or 60 days to get through a deal. Our sponsor this week is Mindy Audlin, and she has a question for you. Do you ask yourself what if questions? And when you do, are you asking worst case questions? You know, what if the sky falls kind of thing? That's called what if down. But what if it all goes right? That's what if up. Mindy Audlin's new book, I got to tell you, I couldn't put it down. You'll want your own copy. It's called What If It All Goes Right. It's on Amazon in paperback, Audible, and Kindle versions. But here's the bonus. What if upping is so much fun that there's a club? You can find resources and more at the nonprofit What If Up Club at whatif.org. That's whatif.org. Pretty easy, right? So please support our sponsor. You can find Mindy Audlin at whatif.org. I am a card-carrying member of the What If Up Club. Oh, and by the way, the music you hear in the background, well, that's Amy Scruggs singing her new release titled, you guessed it, What If It All Goes Right? Tell, tell me more, Ken. Tell me more. I'm, I'm not sure I completely got that. Yeah, well, I think this. You do a one or two call. You do go one or two calls, and then you just kind of let the prospect leave, right? Hey, here's my perfect asset allocation. Well, it shortcuts the idea that you probably, as you said, we probably didn't do good enough discovery to begin mm-hmm. with, right? right? Right. We haven't. If we want to go back to know, like, and trust, the only thing that they've gotten through in this process is know and like. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you're when you're that short. And so one of the things we say when we talk about B2B as an example, is when you talk about the B2B sales process, it should be the same length as the buyer's buying process. Okay. Because then you get to stay intentionally engaged with the prospect throughout and influence other people who will be a part of that decision. Yep. Right? So I think if you take that back and you say, hey, I'm, a, I'm in financial services, that's part of it too. Like the guy, the, 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 the family, the couple... The lady that's $5 million, just as an example, 
her decision-making process probably isn't over after she spent an hour and a half with you. Probably not. Right? You're right. Right. So what can you do so that, it, so that you're not sitting around in silence with no idea where you stand in the deal for 45 days before you get a yes or a no? And you do that by being intentional and, and going to that next step. You mentioned next step a minute ago, and I, I, I agree with that completely. And you gotta, you got to drive this thing, right? Yeah, it's, but that comes back to the basic premise of have I had good discovery? Do I understand uh-huh. what it is they're trying to accomplish? Because then I can say, hey, based on what we've talked about, I think the next thing we should do, talk about or meet about is this because it will be valuable for you in these ways. It will help you understand how to get to your goals, et cetera. Yeah, I didn't say that. That's the piece. It sounds right to me. I mean, it's just, it's, it's right down to being in control of this thing and not, uh, not just sitting back waiting for somebody else to, to say something. And to some extent, doesn't this also wrap back around to building that relationship? You mentioned trust and I, tend to believe that's probably one of the most important parts of the whole process, right? It is, but let me ask you a question, Morris. Sure. When you, when you walk, when you wander around and you're talking to people and you're talking to sales reps, you're talking to people, their own, you know, book of business, so to speak. What would you say if, if you were to ask them, how do you build trust? What do you think they would, how would they answer that question? Oh, that's a, that, that is a wonderful question. I, I don't know that we know how to do it as well as we should. I, that's where I guess I was trying to get to is I'd love to hear what, what you suggest and teach people about how to do that. It, in my opinion, it comes down to, to building that, that trust comes with building the relationship, which is about learning about each other and, and having a conversation is the place to certainly begin, right? Yeah, having a conversation is, but we've got to be a little purposeful about how we're going to do that. So as an example, yep. there's something called, there's a scientific thing for you. There's something called the reticular activating system. Okay. And the reticular activating system serves as a gateway between the subconscious and conscious minds. It basically says, hey, when they're ignoring me, when should they pay attention? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so there's exactly two instances. And that is when I'm relating to a perceived need. Or I'm creating a gap in their understanding. So what does that mean? That, well, here's the deal. The gap in their understanding is the thing that we don't spend enough time doing because we're reading all the stuff that says the buyer's coming to us when they're 75% of the way through their decision-making process. Well, okay. they're 75% of the way through looking at the wrong things and they're trying to cure the symptoms and not the disease. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ultimately, when you come back to it, I think it's about creating a process where you can elicit and create value. Because when we talk, we use buzzwords like, ah, they're going to like you. Ah, they're going to trust you. Ah, we got to build relationships. But if I can be a student and a teacher in the same conversation, can help them understand where they are today, the negative consequences of where they are today, what the, where they want to be tomorrow, and how that's going to be great talk them through a little bit. Well, here's what it would take. Do you notice that I haven't sold myself yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've, but I've been consultative. I've been professional. I've helped them understand things that they didn't understand. That's 
how you get people to like and trust you and build a relationship. Because guess what? I've, I know, like, I know and like a lot of people that I'll go have a beer with. And I consider that I have a good relationship with them, but I'm not letting them touch my portfolio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, um, mm-hmm. I would agree with that completely. So you're building credibility along with everything else when you, when you begin to show people what that gap is, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. You got this, this chasm in between. This is how we can fix that. I, I seems to me that's going to help build that relationship and that trust is going to come along when you can show them ideas that they like about how to fill that gap. Right. Yeah. And like, think about today's day and age. Like we've been a straight up market other than about a 60 day period for 10 years. Yep. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're actually talking to somebody about moving their portfolio or moving their funds, I promise you the other thing that discovery aspect of this the first reason they give you why they're moving isn't the right one. Okay, are you so telling go, me, are you telling me, Ken, that people don't necessarily tell you the truth right off the bat? <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, you know, Morris, I'm a little bit different. You and I have known each other for 12 seconds. I'll answer any <laughs> question you got, but I am very, very different from most. <laughs> I think it's great. That's a that's a absolutely right on target. Uh, it, it, you can't take that first initial comment at face value and and based on that, you know, base your entire operation, your process on that because it's going to change. Things are going to be a little different as you get further down the road. There. Yeah, and you know what else is you know what else we should be striving to do. What's that? We we should be striving to have enough of a pipeline of people who want to talk to us about potentially coming on board that we can say no when appropriate. Because in the financial services game, the real issue becomes you kind of feel like you've made, you get through five years and the first five years you were making a hundred dials a day. You were sending emails, you were going to all the chamber events, you're going to all the networking events. Nothing was efficient, but everything you did hard. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh then yeah. Get, yeah. You get through it and you stop asking, hey, how many first meetings do I have this month? Mm-hmm. Right? How many first times? And you have to get to where you're, the, the, a good pipeline cures all those other problems because then you can have a conversation with somebody, not have any preset intentions on where it has to go, and truly do what's right for them instead of going, oh, man, my manager says that I need to bring in $6 million this year. <laughs> this guy's got this, – this family has five hundred. I got to hold on to this and try to win it. Yeah. Yeah. When maybe, when maybe they want to trade foreign currency and you don't do that. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know the, the mortgage is due. I've got to make this. If I don't make this sale, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage this month. It, it's back yeah. to having five years in, in of experience rather than the first year five times. Yeah. You know, it's, and it, it it's just, it's necessary. You got to, you got to build on what you learned there. It, Ken, tell me more about the process that you use and the way you teach that process. Because I, I firmly and completely believe it, it has to be a process. It's not a question of, hey, I got blue widgets. How many blue widgets do you want? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we, and we're very, very big on the idea of process because ultimately, you know, if I were to interview somebody, let's say that, uh, that somebody listening to this podcast came to me and I was interviewing them for a sales role. 
And if I said, what's your sales process? And even though they may not have one in the CRM at the RIA that they're at or whatever, the best salespeople in the world all can tell you, well, here's my process. This is what happens in the front end. I have a call. This is what happens next. This is what happens next. This is how I tell if it's a good or a bad deal. Yep. So the process itself, if you, if you dial into what that is, and it's almost irrelevant what it is, which is really hard to say. It's almost, <laughs> but, it, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. it's got to be a process. Yeah, but if you'll dial it in, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's 70 to 75% of the success is people who have a process, follow it for a period of time, and can make small pivots quarterly. Hmm. Because if you have a process that you're repeating, you can actually test it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we tend, yeah, we tend to be very, very heavy on the process. We tend to be very, very heavy on the idea of, you know, discovery is an iterative thing, right? Most people go, oh, I'm going to do discovery and I'm going to do discovery in the first call and then I'm going to pitch. Well, not, why would I do, why would I do that? Their life's changing in front of them, right? Their circumstances are going around and they didn't give you all the real stuff they were feeling in the very first meeting. Right. You know, so we're very big on that idea and we're very big on making sure that we prescribe the next step because we want to make sure that we can lead them. Because guess what? Your buyers aren't professional buyers. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know if I answered the full question, but there's some of my thoughts on process. No, I think you did. I think you absolutely answered the question. How, when you're talking to, to salespeople like we are here this morning, what sort of things can you share with them, Ken, to help them run their business more effectively and efficiently? I, I'm just, I'm taking a left-hand turn here on you. I'm sorry, but I, I, you run a wonderful business yourself. Got anything you can help them with as far as how you run that business on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think it starts with a couple things. Um, one of them, which I learned, I had to file bankruptcy in 2011, so uh, regardless of my LinkedIn profile, I have actually been kicked in the teeth and had to try to figure out how to stand back up. Um, so <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from that is to be very, very protective of my emotional energy. Hmm. And what do I mean by that? We live in a really weird time right now. And whether whatever your feelings are about the pandemic and whatever your feelings are about politics and whatever your feelings are you know, about how Mrs. Jones is parallel parking across the street. It's very polarizing today. And so I've got this thing called the three foot rule that helps me manage, manage all that. And what that is, I basically extend my arms to my sides and kind of turn in a circle. And I say to myself, if, unless it comes into that circle and it's something I can exercise control over, I put no emotional energy into it. So you and I could be vehemently on the other sides of the island, politics or pandemic or what jeans to wear to, on a Saturday. And it won't affect me emotionally because, you know, you've seen in this time, day and age, right? Families are not talking to each other. Brothers and sisters are calling each other names. And so I need to, I, I've realized, especially now, be very, very protective of that emotional and where is your energy energy going to? So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest lessons uh, on how to maintain it. But there's certainly other stuff we could talk about that's more tactical on a business perspective. Let's do that. Let's get into some of the tactical sorts of things. I mean, 
You've got a number of clients that you're working with at any particular point in time, I'm sure. How do you manage your time? How do you manage, well, not your time, but yourself, your behavior, and in, in amongst the time you have available? Yeah, so one is you have to allocate specific time for strategic thought. And I don't just mean like I'm sitting around drinking a cup of coffee thinking, but there's some there's some moments and you've got to spend, and as an example, um, I will spend about four days a month in that, okay, where are we going? Where are we thing? Am I aligned to my true north? Are we still moving that way, et cetera? So one is you always want to make sure that you understand where you're going, because otherwise the decisions you make today will lead you, you know, you'll, you know, you'll get someplace random and think you made it to your goal. So one is you have to align strategic thought. Two is I can tell you this. If you look at my bank account and my calendar, that will tell you what's important to me. So if you're looking, do those for yourself about your business, and that'll tell you what's important to you. So don't tell me that uh, networking is important to you when you haven't spent $25 in the last six months on networking. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't tell me that X, that prospecting is important, an important part of your business when you don't have time allocated and blocked out on your calendar for it. Isn't that the truth? Time and money. Yeah, the, 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 they tend to tell a lot of truths. So that's one of those things. When we talk to businesses, the best businesses that we work with, and so I think of business growth, is it's always prospecting and the rest of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, we're always in a constant state of trying to discover new business. Um, I think that's a really, really large component because, you know, it gets, here's how it goes. You bring on two new clients, you do some onboarding stuff, you get them in. During that whole time, you stop actually trying to talk to new people. Then all of a sudden, you get done doing that. You have no new people to talk to, and then you go into a trough. Yep. That's that first year over and over and over again, if you're not careful. Yeah. It's just a constant state. So I think prospecting and be very intentional with your calendar and your money. Make sure that you have time to develop your true north. And for some people, that might be, I just need to look at it once a quarter. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. And and then kind of the, the fourth thing is fourth or third. I don't know if I can count to that is <laughs> if you're say you've got a goal for you know you got a goal to do a certain amount of commissions, a certain amount of revenue or raise a certain amount of assets. And let's say you've had a fortunate, really, really great first quarter. Okay. Don't sit on it and go, oh, I, you know, I, I've raised four million. I was going to try to get five. I only need to get a million more. Yeah. Yeah. Be elite and accelerate. You know, be okay with adjusting goals up because, you know, honestly, that's the, one of the biggest biggest things that we have now is there's this just air of mediocrity out there. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very, very careful the people who are trying to drag you down into that if you'd like to be elite. Makes sense. Makes good sense, Ken. Thank you. That's that's really cool. Tell me this, my friend, who is your ideal client? Who are you working with nowadays? Yeah, so our ideal client um, is typically, they typically sell to other businesses. So it's businesses that sell to businesses. Um, and we've got a little wide range from a standpoint of size of client because we can work with anybody as small as, say, who wants to grow fast with, say, five salespeople, you know, up to we've got some publicly traded companies that we mm-hmm. work with. Gotcha. Um, because we've got a very unique process that allows us to actually handle the different different sizes of sales forces. And if somebody out there that we're listening to that, that is listening to us today would like to get in touch with you and have a conversation about what you can do for them, how is the best way for them to go about getting in touch with you and contacting you? 
Yeah, probably the best way is just go on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure that'll end up in the show notes, I would guess. Um, but look for Ken Lundin, L-U-N-D-I-N. And then what I'd love for you to do is just send me a connection request and tell me that you heard me here with Morris. And if you've got questions, I don't care if you're in sales, sales management, or you own a business, but you're like, man, there's some of that stuff that I'd like to try to get a little bit of advice more specifically to me. Um, I offer everybody who comes in through that avenue that they can get to me directly instead of with some of our sales team. And we'll just have a chat and see if I can provide a little bit of outsider's perspective on what's going on in your world. That's a wonderful gift, Ken. Thank you so much for that. That's fantastic. Because I think there are always people out there that, that need help and would love to have somebody to be able to, you know, bounce some things around with that really knows what they're talking about. And uh, frankly, through this discovery, my friend, I believe you really know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, but at least I passed the first blush. So now, you, <laughs> now you know me <laughs> and you might like me. <laughs> Absolutely. That's for sure. That is for sure. Ken, thank you so much for being with us today on the Business of Sales. That was awesome time, Morris. Everybody else out there, you guys go out and have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life and have a great time. And I'll see you again next week on the Business of Sales. <laughs>